Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. All right. Bark, are you ready for two hours? Absolutely. You? Ready for two hours? Yeah. <laughs> I want to thank our uh, technical director, Lance Kennedy, for the massive vote of confidence right yeah, out yeah. of the gate there. Thanks for that. What we needed. We needed to hear those uplifting words. Well done, Lance. It, with, you know, you've got to get a job. Motiv- you and I are going on a motivational speaking tour. How about Little that? Little band down by the river. Absolutely. That'd be good. Yeah. Uh, it is Blair and Barker, the first of our two-hour shifts this year. Hopefully there'll be many of them, like, through the World Series. Well, don't screw it up. No, don't screw it up. Uh, hopefully it'll be many of them through the World Series. The Did you Blue say World J- Series? Yeah. Blue Jays are in St. Blue Jays are in St. Louis today. They'll have a workout uh, ahead of the opener tomorrow, which of course is on Sportsnet 590, the fan and Sportsnet. Uh, we're gonna be joined by uh how do you pronounce her name? We're gonna be joined by we're gonna be joined by Hazel May uh, later on Ooh. in the show. She's got a six part yeah, who she's got a six part series on Alec Manoa we're gonna talk about. It's tremendous, it, I heard. It, it's I've caught a, f- a few glimpses of it. Mm. Um there's a ton of there's a ton of stuff in there. Uh I'm sure people may be kind of aware of Manoa's story. He is going to be the opening day starter, the first episode will run tomorrow. But um there's there's a ton there's there's a ton to there's a ton to unpack with this, so we're going to talk to Hazel about it, uh, in in particular. And um, it sounds, as I said, I've seen a little bit of it, Barker, and and it sounds like it's going to be, it's going to be pretty special. We're also going to be joined by John Schneider. He is the manager of the Blue Jays. Uh, he will be joining us weekly throughout the season, and uh, we look forward to talking to uh, John about just concluded spring training, which wrapped up yesterday. The Jays lost 6-5 to the Phillies in Clearwater. You say Kikuchi looked really good against guys we'll probably never see this year. And Jose Barrios looked really, well, Jose Barrios looked so-so against guys we, what do you, maybe see this year. So we'll talk to John about that. But to get things going, because everybody does this this time of year. Ugh. We are going to do some bold predictions, and uh, we have solicited your predictions. Numbers are four. What is the number again? 416-419-3959. There you go. The back leg line. Today, it's a prediction line. We'll uh, go through your predictions, and uh, I threw out a couple of kind of teasers. Yeah, we want to do the usual things. You want to do the divisions, uh, World Series, individual award winners, yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. But I also threw out some over-unders just for... Uh, just for giggles, uh, an over/under in the Blue Jays' win total, which uh, and and a lot of this is a lot of this has been is based on stuff that's been out there. Uh, some of our individual stats are based on steamer projections from Fangrass, but over/under for the Blue Jays' win total, what I say, ninety-two-five. Aaron Judge home runs, forty-five-five. Now you're going to roll your eyes and say, Jeff, Aaron Judge had sixty odd bombs last year. Sixty-two. 62, 40, uh, 45 uh, seems like a little. You take a look at how many people have hit 45 or Four 50 Four people or more last homers. year hit 40 homers in the yeah. big leagues. So, it's not easy to do. Yeah, we'll talk about that. And and you say Kikuchi. 
over under an innings pitch uh, with Yusei Kikuchi. What, what, what did, did I what leave What did you say, 129 and a half or something? 129 and a half. Yeah. We, we, we can get into that a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you can look at that a couple of different ways, and we'll talk about this. It's an interesting conversation. It'll be fun to talk about. It, I would, yeah, I would suggest a lot depends on what the guy and what Jose Barrios does, frankly. Yeah, I don't think so. I, I, I think if you say Kikuchi makes starts, he's about a five-inning guy every time he goes out there. That's about what he is. You get two times through five innings. He makes 26, 27 starts. He'll get that. All right, let's uh, whip through these predictions. I have already uh, put mine up on Sportsnet. Are they any good? Yours part any of good? a roundtable. Well, I, I was on a pretty good run of success picking World Series winners. I hit a wall last year. Uh, they're up on Sportsnet.ca. Myself, Arden Swelling, Ben Nicholson Smith, and Shai Davidi. I uh, had a little MLB roundtable. And uh, my, what are you laughing at? Let's start with the American League East, where I absolutely why wouldn't you pick the Blue Jays to win the American League I, East, and <laughs> I got the Yankees and the Rays both going to well. Let's the postseason no, do, wild card. do division winners first. All right, Yank, that, uh, Blue Jays. And I, I have the Yankees. I, I I just think experience when that when that rotation's healthy. When. When? when it's healthy? When? What and, if it's and, never healthy? And, and and they've had experience winning 95 games, and I think that's what it's going to take to win the – it's going to come down for me the last 12 games of the season. The last 12 games, the Jays and Yankees play six times. Mm-hmm. That, for me, is when this thing's going to be decided. And the Yankees, for me, know how to win 95-plus games. I've never seen the Jays do that. Have you? No, but the Yankees are old. At Yankee Stadium, it's there. there's some things, obviously, that have to go right to win 95 games. That's my choice. That I think the Yankees, and it makes it more fun to talk about it when Your we're not. Your choice is wrong. Well, we'll see. <laughs> just, kidding, just, kidding, just kidding. Central Division. Uh, I mean, I really wanted to be bold and pick the Chicago White Sox. But uh, I went with the Guardians and kind of kind of half-heartedly went with the Guardians to win the division. Yeah. I, I, there's Kristen McKenzie's going to hurt. He's missing, what, eight to ten weeks, I think. He's hurt something. Uh, he's going to be out a little while. That that will hurt. You know, their their lineup is very frisky. It's it, they're hard to strike out. Meaning they put the ball in play. They put pressure. You know, that having no shift, the the athleticism that other teams are going to have to defend them with. Yeah, might be a little tougher. They're probably going to score some more runs. Their bullpen, top five in baseball. You could argue their manager. If you're into the manager kind of thing, that was. Probably one of the reasons I'm with you. The White Sox, Lucas Giolito, you buying that? I'm not really right. The no, the the couple other starters they got, you know, the oh, Dylan the, the Cease, bull, I'm buying. Yeah, the I'm bullpen's in decent. Their lineup never stays healthy. Uh, you know, their bench coach. <laughs> I laugh. It's Charlie. I can laugh at. What? What do you think, Charlie's going to gum up the works? Absolutely not. I just made that because it's funny. That's joke, me. joke, haha. It's not really. That's it's it's because we love him and <clears throat> that's what we do. It's but. I, I think just I think the Guardians are a better team. I think this is what this comes down to. Yeah. Uh, West, uh, I mean, it's hard to – I'm going with the – I've got the Astros going to the World Series, so I'm taking the Astros out of the West. Yeah, me too. I mean, I, I think that's a little bit of a no-brainer. I do think Seattle's a little bit better with – I think they're going to hit some more home runs is what they need. Again, their, their rotation, their bullpen, meaning Seattle – you could argue top 10 in baseball. Now their lineup's going to be a little bit tougher to pitch to, which means a lot, meaning you can hit some three-run homers, which may, takes a little pressure off your manager to always make the right move. 
Seattle, I mean, t- Texas will be a, a little bit better. That'll take away some wins from Seattle. Yeah, I'm with you. I think the Astros are one of the couple of best teams in baseball. I think that's a little bit of a no-brainer. This is where it's going to get interesting, I think. The wild-card teams in the American League. Now, I've got Yankees, Rays, Twins. Twins. Issue with racing the, twins. Well, the issue with the Twins is their best player never, never stays healthy. I, that that would be the first thing you'd have to hang your hat on is, you know, you, you need your best player to be your best player most of the year to get you in because of some of the other teams that are better in the American League. That's why it's very – it's hard to pick the Twinkies. I know why you're picking them because you want them. You're rooting. You know, you've, you've rooted for them forever. I get it. Not me. Look, I, I think it's – this is sort of an obvious thing. The American League's top-heavy. Like, I, I guess you can make some arguments for the Twins like you did. You can make an argument for Texas. Uh, you can make an argument for uh, who else? The White Sox. You could probably throw them in there if you want to because uh, if their lineup does stay healthy, they can score some runs. You, you expect them to have a bounce back here. I think the Jays, the Mariners, and the Rays, I, I think that's sort of where, again, I talked about the this. Mariners. I, I think the any, Rays of those, the Rays. any of those teams could finish first. Any of those teams could finish third. Yeah, if you That's tell me Baldy, DeGrom can throw a combined 50, make a, a combined 50 starts, I could, tell, I could buy into Texas. I I, I'm about, not buying that. I thought about, I thought long and hard about Texas. That's but the two. That's for the two that things reason, for me. Is I just I just don't see. And Seattle's yeah. a better team than them, which is going to take away wins, which will make it harder for them to be three teams coming out of the AL West. That's why I have three teams coming out of the American League East. Yeah, I thought about the Mariners, but I noticed everybody else took the Mariners, so I said, screw it. I'm going to take. I'm going to take somebody else. I mean, miracles happen. Individual awards. American League MVP. I mean, until Otani doesn't show up anymore, I. It's it, for me. It's either going to be him or Trout. So I picked Otani again. I from what you're seeing at the WBC, that that's elite. Like we've never seen anything walk around on Earth like that. Before. Yeah, I have. Like it's no, well, no other you've than never Otani. seen, any, you've never seen anything that Trout. Trout to me, Trout doesn't want anything. Uh, if he plays, he'll he'll Trout. he'll be right there with it. I picked Otani. I didn't pick Trout. Yeah, no, I I, I think Aaron Judge. Again, we're going to get to this. I can see Otani getting a lot of votes. This whole year is about Otani. But I just think that I, uh, I, Tony's I still sort of like the Astros. How I do still you pick think, against it. Well, I, there's a couple of things that work. I think a lot of people, first of all, will look at, still look at, the success the team has, and I just don't think the Angels are going to be that good. I, I know there are, there are a lot of people who think that they've made some. I don't. I just don't think they're that good. I think Aaron Judge is going to be the star That's on the team a, I forgot on, to. on a really on a really good team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other thing, and I wonder how this factors into it. If Otani's traded halfway through the year, and traded to another league. And we'll talk about this later because I don't think Otani gets traded. But if that were to happen, good luck figuring out the MVP. Has anybody won the MVP award in both leagues in the same year? And a Cy Young award in one of the two? You're way overthinking this. I mean, what what benefit would they have of trading him? It's not, you you wouldn't even know where to start. What are you getting for him? And nobody, what minor league system other than the Orioles would have enough to just to give him when it comes to well, top, you're, I, I you're think, talking about five, six, seven people in the top hundred. Well, no. Like, how many no, organizations no, have? No, you're not You're talk- talking about a lot. No. You're I talk- mean, that, that it, might be an exaggeration, no. but you're talking about three if, or four if, of them. If you're the Angels, you are going to want an established major leaguer. Again, the Angels' problem isn't... Yeah, that's crazy. No, the Angels' problem yeah. isn't that they can't that they can't pay Otani. It's that he doesn't, he's, he doesn't want to be there. The Angels can... 
The Angels can make this deal. Everybody says, well, they're going to trade Otani and they're going to get six prospects. No, maybe they trade Otani to the Dodgers and get one of the Dodgers' starting pitchers if they're healthy and get an everyday player and a couple of prospects. Huh. I, I, so, but anyhow, I, I mean, I'm with you. I don't think Otani, I don't think Otani gets traded. Anyway, uh, American League Cy Young Award. I got Kevin Gossman, and I was actually going to pick mm-hmm. him before Pass and picked him for a variety of reasons. First of all, I like the odds he's getting in a lot of places. There's like mm-hmm. eight people uh, ahead of him on a, on, a, on a lot of the sports books. And I, I just think Kevin Gossman, Kevin Gossman had a good year last year. I think the changes are going to help him. I like what I've seen in spring training. I just, I got a feel about him. I got a feel about Everything Kevin Gossman. Everything looks easy for him, which will tell you he'll make every one of his starts. He makes every one of his starts because of the adjustments he's made. Mm-hmm. I think that's why you got that little thing to hang your hat on. I'm going with Garrett Cole just because of who I picked to go to the World Series. I picked the Yankees to go to the World Series. I'm yeah. letting it out of the hat, out of the bag right now. And I think Garrett Cole has to be monster. And Garrett Cole pitches every five days. That's a, that's the first thing. He's got elite stuff. I know everybody rolling their eyes because nobody likes Garrett Cole. No, but it's not that. That's that's for. I mean, you could you could throw a, a bunch of names in the hat and American League Rookie of the Year. This is really unfair, but Masataka Yoshida, who's, what, 29 years old, whatever the hell he is. Uh, that's the obvious choice. He, he's going to get a lot of... Uh, Volpe you could pick. Uh, Henderson for the for the Orioles. You could, I mean, you could go a couple of ways there. You're guessing here. I'll tell you a guy that I would really... But I really... will say short porch with the Red Sox. That's going to help him. Leading off, he's going to get, obviously, a bunch of bats. He can use the whole field. He can hit for high average. He's hit 20 home runs. He's at 140 hits. I think being 29 uh, years old gives him an advantage. I'll tell you, a guy, you. I'll tell you, tell you a guy I really thought of. I think I, Hunter Green, I think, with the, uh, with the Astros. I just don't know how he's going to be used. Um as a pitcher, but he's a guy to keep, he's a guy to keep an eye on National League MVP. I went with Manny Machado and I have no idea why I just, I think the Padres are going to be, well, we should talk about, we'll talk about our National League picks. I've got the Padres winning the, uh, I've got the Padres winning the West. I've got Atlanta winning the East. I've got the Cardinals winning the Central. Well, you're jumping all over the place here. Let, let's, just hang on. I got you know we'll do that, and then we'll do the individual awards. I got Dodgers, Mets, and Phillies going uh, to the postseason as wild card. Uh, I'm sorry, Phillies, Mets, and Dodgers. Yeah, going to the uh, postseason as a wild card. I've got Atlanta over the Astros in the World Series. I I, I got the Braves, the Cardinals, the Padres. I got the Dodgers, the Mets. The Phillies, we, all three being. I look, you, you're trying to figure out ways not to, not for it to be those teams, it's like the American League. Like again, the, the, the baseball separation. is is really yeah. top heavy. I mean, you could pick and pray as, with some teams, and I'm sure you could argue that if some teams get hurt, some key spots. I mean, that's every team basically. You could throw the Jays in there. If the but, Jays were to lose Gosman for five or six stars, the they're going to be in trouble. But so, but but here's the thing, you know, I look at these teams, and I, and you're right, but then I say, okay. The Phillies aren't going to have Bryce Harper, and I'm we're picking. Bad, I got Trey Turner. No, but what I'm saying is, I think there's such a big gap between these teams in the National League and everybody. I I just I think it would take a calamity for one of these six teams not to make it. Well, I mean, the could, only team, the Brewers, you could throw the Brewers, Brewers? in there. Yeah. I mean, the, the Arizona Diamondbacks are sort of the sexy pick. Like, ooh, don't well, you really don't know, know what, what you're going to get San from San Francisco, them. you sort of, you know, things all fall in the right spots. They're one of the teams. You, they're sort of like the race. You could you could see them figuring out yeah. ways to use the new rules to their advantage. Like, whatever it's going to take to hide some woes that they have. I guess you could throw them in the mix. Me, it's top heavy. Like, it, it'll take some special things for these teams not to 
not to be and where they're supposed to be. And, oh, by the way, my National League MVP, I have Freddie Freeman. I, I do think Freddie Freeman, for me, the ball up the middle is a huge deal for him. I, if anybody wants to go back and watch a guy hitting off a tee, I think he did some YouTube thing with a with somebody was with the Braves in a batting cage, and he was telling everybody how to hit a ball for tee. Sounds simple. It's baseball 101, but he's talking about staying inside the ball and hitting where it's pitched right back at the pitcher. Well, nobody's standing back there, so those are hits now. So, uh, so you've got Freddie Freeman for the National League MVP. I said I've got Manny Machado. Uh, I just think that I think the Padres are going to be I think the Padres are going to be the best team in the National League, even though I don't have them going to the World Series. Braves are pretty good. I think mean, you're you're pushing I it there. The, I, well, I picked the Braves to well, go you said to the World best Series. Team in the National League. Record wise, I think the Padres might have a better record than the Braves, but I think the Braves are going to the uh, the Braves. The Braves are going got to the World a top Series. ten lineup, a top five bullpen, a top five rotation, and their defense. And they got depth. I, they've got depth. It, they've got depth to make a move from. Elite. And they might be getting a guy like Soroka back halfway through the year. Or uh, something it's like elite. That, so. Like they're they're elite. Yeah. And he and that GM's going to go out and do whatever it takes. Exactly. <laughs> That's why I've got them uh, winning the World uh, Series. I hate to say it, I do too. National League Cy Young. I want a Verlander. Uh, he's old. Like that, that's the thing, right? Is you so got Scherzer, you got Vert. Yeah, that's why I'm not picking either one of those guys because how, how many starts could they possibly get? You're getting those two guys for October. Down the stretch, you would think because of the Mets and the, how much money they've spent and their lineup and it's gotten better. They're probably going to score some more runs. Uh, you know, that that not having that closer, that's, that's going to hurt a little bit. But you're thinking there's going to be some separation there. There's going to be some time off. That's why I'm picking Corbin Burns. Corbin Burns don't like the Brewers anymore. Well, Corbin Burns is and, pitching and for he, a payday. That's he, a good. That's a good call. A that's he a good can, call. He can locate heaters, the cutter, all those things. He'd look beautiful as a Blue Jay. But that's a good call. I, I, I sort of like him, and I got Jordan Walker again. These these rookie of the years thing. I hate picking them because yeah, it's hard. Like it's you got it's like it's like picking MVPs. I mean, you got a bunch of names. There's some really good players in baseball, and unless you're in the American League with Otani, if Otani stays healthy, all you can do all he's you, winning it. All you can do is is go by the the what the buzz is around spring training, what the buzz was last year. I think the National League Rookie of the Year, and a lot of people are picking him. I think is Corbin Carroll. A guy that intrigues me is Miguel Vargas because of the Dodgers. The Dodgers are going to need. I mean, that, that's another. One. Yeah, the Dodgers are going to need. Uh, the Dodgers are going to need. They're, they're going to need somebody to come through this year because they've got injury. World concerns. Series? Are you picking? I'm picking out. I, I mean, I want it to be more, more uh, original. But I got the Braves beating the Astros. Yeah, I have the, I have the Braves you know. beating the Yankees. I, I think if there's any year to pick the Yankees to go to the World Series. It's this year. I, I think that back-to-back winning World Series is very hard to do. I know you picked the Braves. You didn't pick the Astros. But even getting to the World Series, everything's got to be lined up right. Yeah, there's a lot goes into that health and all the things. So I'm picking the Braves over the Yankees. Um, let's do our over-unders. Uh, we talked about uh, Aaron Judge. Oh, sorry. Before yeah. I move on, yeah, Jays make it past the first round of the playoffs? Yes. Do they? Can I? Can I? Can you ask me that question after the All Star break? No, because well, I can, and I'll change my answer after the All Star break if it's obvious they're not, because nobody will remember it. But yeah, I think they'll. I think they'll win a playoff series this year. I think they'll win a playoff series this year. Part of me would love to see the Jays and the Mariners have a do over <laughs> playoff, but 
Yeah, I'm sure. No, John I, listen. I, I, I think at the yeah, I, I think at the Jays, at the Jays win, at the Jays win the division. To, who do you give the ball to if you're John Snyder in the sixth well, inning? Uh, who do you give it to? Well, well, who do you give it to? I have an answer by your then. hands in the air. Well, that, that's what I said. Come back to me after the All Star break. Okay, you'll have an answer by then. If you think that's not that's that, that this team right now can't win a series, well, I mean, we'll see. But I think they can win a series. Over under, it'd be tougher. Well, it's of course it's gonna be tough. Over, under, and wins, 92 and a half. I'm going the over. I don't even think that that's – I got them winning. I think they'll win like 95, 96. Did games. I hear Kevin Kiermaier say a hundo? I did say well, – I, I heard him say a hundo. But you also heard Bo Bichette talk about carrying trophies that across the field. That was three too, years so. ago. I know. Yeah, every once in a while, you got to learn from your mistakes. Well, Kevin Kiermaier wasn't here then. He well, probably doesn't even know what was said. Hundred wins is a lot. It's a lot, like a but, lot but I of take it's about American League East I with the other teams that are in there. Five, and we don't. Huh. We're going to be joined by uh, by Mike Gersh later on. He's the uh, vice president and general manager of the Cardinals, who will be the Jays' opponents in the opener. One of the things we want to talk to him about is the impact of the balanced schedule. That's something, or the. That's a great question. It's we're, they're calling it a balanced schedule. It's still it's it's more balanced than it was. You're playing more teams above five hundred. Is what you're doing. Yeah, but you're also playing fewer games against the Yankees and more games. If you want to look at it that way, more games against some bad teams. I mean, we just don't know how this is going to work out. How it how it will impact uh, how it will impact the postseason. But I think if ninety two five is what some of the some of the books are given for the Jays. I'll take the over. I think it could be 92, and I think it could be 93. I don't think it's going to be any higher than 93. All right, but so I'm you're gonna, taking the over, though. I'll take the over. Yeah. Aaron Judge home runs. Now, I looked through a bunch of places, and my first thought was, oh, my God, the over-under is going to be like 50 and a half. No, it's 45 and a half, because 60 home runs doesn't fall off the back of the truck. 50 home runs doesn't. doesn't fall off the back of the truck. There was four guys who 40 had 40 doesn't. last year. So, 45 and a half. I'm taking the over. Here's I, my question. I'm going to yes. ask you this. Yes. In his career. Yes. He's played 150 games twice. Yes. 2017, he had 52 homers. Last year, he had 62 homers. Yeah. My question would be to you, this will tell you, if he plays 150 games or more, that's over. If he doesn't, yeah, that's, that's under. Yeah. My question, other than the 45 and a half, is... I want to throw it back at you. Do you think he'll play 150 games or more? That's my question. If the answer to that is yes, then I'm taking the over. If the answer to that is no, I'm I'm taking the under. And I'm taking the under. That's me. I'm still taking the over. For for look, there's a lot. The like they're they're now now, I mean, I, I get it. Like he's gonna be hard to pitch around and, and DJ LeMayhew, if he's healthy, makes it harder to pitch around him. I just wonder about the hundred and fifty game thing. I wonder. Let's, that for me that for me is the more interesting question than the forty five and a half because he's an elite hitter. Like he's mastered hitting a home run, being a giant human with the bent upper half the other, and leading with the back elbow. He's mastered it. The other thing that could enter, the, the other thing that could come into play here is if he's not chasing like 62, 63, 64, or even 60, and the Yankees are kind of comfortable in the playoff race. If you're Aaron Boone, do you start? Remember, he ain't chasing a deal either. He's got his deal already. That's. But I was going to say, do you think maybe if you're Aaron Boone, you say, okay, look, let's kind of take the pedal off a bit. 
um, you know, 45, 46, 47 home runs. What, that's See, I don't, take I don't think they can do that because the last 12 games of the season, winning the American well, League East and having home field advantage is a big deal. You'd rather go to Yankee Stadium than you would yep. the Rogers Center. That's that's, that's Although, so, so it's a big deal. So I, I, I don't think that's this. happening. I got to say this. We've talked about the new dimensions of the Rogers Center mm-hmm. and how the Jays are excited about it. You think Aaron Judges right looked center, at that? Right you think center. Aaron Judges looked at that and thought, ah. they, they have to do nothing. It's the same approach they'd have at home as they would at the Rogers yes. Center because of the short porch and right. And Maybe that would have been an over-under and home runs Judge hits in the Rogers Center. A great, it's a great question. That's the first thing I thought of when I was like fiddling around looking at this. I thought, my God, Aaron Judges. Like there are going to be guys in this division that are going to come to the Rogers Center and go, hmm. I like him. All right. <laughs> I like him. Uh, will they like it when they say you say when they see you say Kikuchi on the mound? Over under in the Kikuchsters innings or Kikuchi Sturz innings? I'm not saying I'm 129 and I'm a not half. Saying, listen, here, I'm going to say this nicely. Yeah. I ain't, I'm not saying I'm buying you say Kikuchi spring training because I ain't. Yeah. I got to see that against some good teams, back to back game planning and what the fastball command if it don't fall off a cliff. But I say this: he has to. That's what I'm going to say. He has to give them over. Yeah. And I'll say this: he had 20 starts last year through 100 innings. That's five innings a start. He gives you 26, 27 starts. It's over. And I'm going to flip it on a Blue Jays end if you're a fan and say he has to the depth. The quality yeah, I, of – they have depth. I mean, you could run a dude out there. The quality of their depth, you've seen it. I've seen it. Their fans have seen it. The Blue Jays and Pete Walker seen it. It ain't there. So, he's a big deal. And so is Berea. 129 and a half. I'm, I'm going to – because I'm in a rare optimistic mood today, I'm going to say – I'm going to wow. take the over on 129 and a half. I'm going to take the over because you're absolutely right. It better be. Oh, I mean it, – It better be. I'm not sure they have a choice. They may have to run him out there. Flatty home runs. Oh, this is a good one. Vladdy home runs. What did I put down? What 39 put and a half. 39 and a half home runs for Vladdy. I'm taking the over comfortably. Comfortably. Again, there's four guys who who, who hit 40 last year. Four, 40 is an elite number. People think that that's just easy and you should be short. Shorter fence, fences are moved in. He's an elite offensive player. You should hit 40, drive in 100. I mean, there's four of them last year who did that. One of them hit 60. Like, it's not the easiest thing to do. For me... How many of them were righties? Uh, righty swingers. Judge, Schwarber was lefty, uh, the first baseman uh, for the Mets. Right. Alonso? Uh, and Trout. Okay. So, three out of the four were righties. Yeah. Uh, so, what do you think? I, I, the, here's what I think. 39 and a half means he's going to hit 40. I think, if his plate, I think if his plate discipline is better... He doesn't chase early in counts. His chase percentage went up a lot, which is a big deal. He hit 274 last year and hit 32 homers. The year before that, he hit 39 homers. He hit 369 off the fastball. He had 293 off the fastball last year. Elite dudes. Now, I know them four guys I looked it up didn't do real well against the fastball. This guy has to for me. Like the breaking ball, the slider down and away. He's a young guy. He's very aggressive. He will chase. That's why, for me, that's why the league has made an adjustment. It's two-seamer in, it's slider away. He's going to have to pick one of them. I'm going to give you this until I get to two strikes. Can he do that? If he does that and forces the two-seamer on the plate, there's no velocity that can be thrown hard enough that he can't get the head out. There ain't. 
but get it on the plate. He gets it on the plate. I'm going above that, and I'm saying above that, and I get back to that. You say, Kikuchi, for me, Vladdy has to. How's that? I would say that I think, well, can they win if Vladdy doesn't hit 40? Yeah. Uh, the, again, define winning. Can they, Can they? I mean, they're going to go to the postseason anyhow. I, 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 I just think Kikuchi's, I think Kikuchi's innings. You know what? I, remember how I said I don't put any, any stock in spring training numbers? Sure. And I really don't. And Kikuchi was, you know, just blew through a bunch of dudes yesterday in his final start, not putting any thought into Confidence. that. I got to tell you, though, man, Jose Barrios scares you. I don't know. A lot. I I just my side. I don't know. (laughs) I don't think they do. I don't know. They don't either. I have no idea. I'm still going to, you know, because I like the athlete and I like the dude. And I know that's dangerous, but I'm going to allow myself a little fanboy thing here. I got faith in him. But, man, I wonder if you I wonder if you put out a poll, Blue Jays fans. And who scares you the most? And see what the reaction is. Well, you know it's one guy. Anyhow. Um, opening day is tomorrow. Is a 4 o'clock start, 4.07 start Yay. in St. Louis against the Cardinals. Uh, we will be joined by Michael Gersh, Vice President and General Manager of the Cards at 11 o'clock. John Schneider, Manager of the Blue Jays, joins us from St. Louis as well. And... Uh, the back leg line is open, 416-419-3959. Sorry, we went so long with our picks that we didn't get around to people's picks. But you still got a chance. To, you can still call up and, uh, and uh, leave us your picks. And, uh, you know, we got a couple of days to, to play them. Mm-hmm. We got a couple of days to play them. So, again, the number is uh, 416-419-3959. Leave us your picks. Or even if not, let's, I've kind of, let's, zero in on, let's zero in on the over-unders, the Jays over-unders. 92-5 wins, Flatty Homers, and, and Kikuchi. They're a good one. Let's zero in on those three things. Give us your thoughts. Uh, 416-419-3959. When we come back, Hazel May, Blue Jays reporter with Sportsnet, will join us. She has got a six-part series on Alec Manoa entitled Alec Manoa Obsessed. The feature, the first part of the feature will run tomorrow, and uh, the rest of the feature will air before his next five starts. It's a deep dive into Alec Manoa. A lot of interesting stuff, a lot of emotional stuff. I think we know Alec Manoa by now to know that there is, there's, there's an emotional, he's an emotional dude on the mound and he's an emotional dude off the field as well. It's a terrific look at him, a terrific look at a guy who has become immensely popular in this city. Hazel May joins us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan Sportsnet 360 and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with Ailish Forfar and Justin Cuthbert. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. As a reminder, we are on for two hours starting today from 10 to noon Eastern on Sportsnet 590 Fan Sportsnet 360. If you're listening to us via podcast, please, please. Say something nice about Jeff. No, say something nice about Barker. It's all about Barker. It, it's all about Barker. But leave, leave a five-star review. And uh, I don't know why, but it's nice. Because it's good. It's nice How's that? You, you can say it. It's nice if you do. What's that? Well, it's very nice. Uh, also, I haven't even mentioned this. We'll be doing uh, Blue Jays talk throughout the year, following Blue Jays games as well. 
that's how it's like it snuck up on me. Starting tomorrow, we'll be doing Blue Jays talk. That's that pitch clock. Boy, I'm excited about yeah. that. That's two and a half hour games. Yeah, that'll be sweet. Taking a nap. And um, yeah, and as always, I mentioned the back leg line four one six four one nine three nine five nine. We're taking uh, your calls, and we'll go. We'll I think tomorrow we'll turn it into a fan day. We'll no call question. it fan day on the fan. Uh, good one. And uh, we'll take Should calls, be. and we'll go through the uh, back leg line tomorrow. Get your over under and Blue Jays wins. I got to hear from you. Yeah. Yeah. Number of 2020 players in the Blue Jays over under one and a half. A caller uh, over DM'd me. That's cool. Two. So we'll, we'll come That's up. A good one. We'll come up with that. Uh, we mentioned opening day is tomorrow on Sportsnet 590, the fan and Sportsnet. The St. Louis Cardinals entertaining the Blue Jays. Alec Manoa on the mound for the Blue Jays. Miles Michaelis. 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 You weren't close. Well, Miles Michaelis. It should be Michaelis. Well, ask him. Yeah. Miles Michaelis will (laughs) be the uh, Cardinals starter. And ahead of the game tomorrow. (laughs) What? (laughs) You butchered that. You want to start over? No. (laughs) One name wrong. It's fine. I don't think he cares. Ahead of the game Uh, tomorrow. Chapter one of Alec Manoa obsessed a six part feature on Blue Jays all star and opening day starter Alec Manoa will air the production. Will you guys settle down, please? Seriously, we got another hour and a half here, so settle down. I have to have to whoop somebody in here. Good luck. Uh, the uh, series is uh, hosted by uh, Hazel May who is a Blue Jays reporter at Sportsnet, and we're very pleased that uh, she's agreed to join us this morning. Hazel, thanks so much. You're on with Jeff Blair and Kevin Barker. Um, Hi, guys. <laughs> yeah, we're, it's out of control. I, we need you to get back here because the, the guy to the left of me is just... Is, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Is, is completely oh. out of control. Um, I've seen a, snippets of this series, uh, and, and I wanted to ask you, why did you decide... Or what, what went into the decision for a six-part series? Um, good morning. Um, thanks for having me. Uh, good question. I think when we first started doing these off-season features, um, I can't tell you how many times uh, my producer, Stephen Payne, and I would struggle when we needed to edit it down for time purposes. And when we really did a deep dive on Alec and his family dynamics and his backstory and journey to where he is now, um, Stephen came up with this idea, excuse me, of airing an episode ahead of each of his first six starts where we could really kind of get into his entire story, entire life story, entire journey, as opposed of, you know, trying to cram everything into a four or five minute feature. So, you know, I want everybody to really approach this series as a continuing story week after week and not just, you know, a self-contained chapter. And our hope really is for fans to get this all access pass to who this young man is, um, why he is the kind of person he is today off and on the field and what, you know, he went through to get to, where he is today and the success he's enjoying today. And as you guys know, I mean, the feature is only as good as the kind of access 
um, your subject matter and the people around him give us. So we thought a six-part series would be a really um, good way to, you know, do this quote-unquote feature, you know, justice. Speaking of access, where did he take you, Alec? Where did he let you in to, Hazel? Um, so um, we really kind of followed him this off season, and uh, he took us basically everywhere he would go in a normal off season. Um, our first stop was uh, Florida International University, FIU in Miami, for his very first workout. We were actually there, and we shot um, the first time he was on the mound, throwing off a mound um, since the regular season. He took us to the gym he and his brother opened. Um, they've named it Manoa Driven. Uh, his nice. brother is a prominent figure yeah, in, the, in this series. Um, he took us to his youth baseball camp. It was just the second year that he's held that camp um, in Homestead, Florida. Uh, his childhood diamond, uh, Tamiami Park, where um, Alec told us he first took part in organized games of baseball a- as a young boy, and where now, when we toured it, his photo and his name is plastered on the park clubhouse. So, um, and then, you know, something really cool, Alec also invited us to shoot his evening out on the town at a Miami Heat game where uh, he sat courtside. Um, so, yeah, like I said, it was basically an all-access pass to his off-field life, and um, we really appreciated uh, where he took us. There really was nowhere he said no. We would ask him, you know, can we go shoot at your home? No problem. Where do you work out? Can you introduce us to your family members? And, um, yeah, you're going to see really the full gamut of, you know, a day in the life, a week in the life, a month in the life of Alec Manoa off-season. Off so, Hazel, what is the the focal point for episode one, which, again, will air tomorrow? Yeah, so interesting because Stephen and Payne and I really debated about starting from, we thought, you know, the day he was drafted. We thought that was a really um, sensible place to start, um, which, by the way, is still in one of the upcoming chapters. It's a real behind-the-scenes um, take of that day for Alec and his family. But we ultimately decided on his, you know, his, I want to say, once rocky relationship with the man who introduced him to the game of baseball. And you'll meet and we'll introduce everybody for the very first time and hear from Eric Manoa Sr., Alec's father. Now, you know, people may have already, you know, kind of gathered what his family life was like uh, as a child. It was uh, turbulent. There was a lot of turmoil and trauma. But the two were estranged for years after his father went to prison. And I think what we wanted to do is give everybody kind of a look at um, what it was like to have a father who had this dark side to him, who really kind of governed with um, tough love and wanted his two sons to be the best at everything, including baseball. And then what was really kind of uh, we we didn't plan on and putting this part in chapter one, but how Alec has just really um, opened himself to having this man um, back in his life and kind of how they are trying to navigate rebuilding that father son relationship. Um, I'm not sure if this particular quote ended up being um, in chapter one, but I asked him, you know, after everything that your father put you, your mother, your brother through, no one, you know, could possibly blame you for just wanting to keep him out of your life. 
And he looked at me and said, you only have one father in your life. And if he, you know, wants to be back in my life, I want him back in my life. He's going to make a go at it. So chapter one really involves his relationship. Uh, he and his brother's relationship with his father. Were you surprised about anything? One little thing that stood out to you that you went, wow, that's that's either cool or shocking. Um, <laughs> I've told you most of it, but I yep. think I can probably um, share a couple of things. Um, and it's not just chapter one, but, you know, we obviously did our research and prepped before we shot this series. But I found it really surprising um, the lengths to which his mom, Susanna, um, took to really shield her boys from learning she was struggling financially after her husband went to prison. I was also, you know, struck by Alec's ability to forgive and just how big a heart this young man has and how much Alec has really worked at you know, trying not to follow in his father's footsteps into this, you know, dark place, as he called it, and wanting to be, you know, a man who his future children can one day really be proud of and looked up to. I mean, the family dynamics, it's a fascinating story. Um, His father, Eric Sr., has never given an interview, particularly on camera or any of that. So we found it, you know, a big coup to get him to agree to sit with us. And as Jeff mentioned, you know, there's a lot of tears, a lot of emotions having to, you know, bring up, you know, a traumatic part of, you know, this family's um, journey. Uh, Hazel, before I let you go, obviously you were down in Dunedin uh, for most of spring training with, the, with yeah. the Blue Jays. Look, we've had, you know, I mean, I, I make this point. Every spring, two things happen. One, everybody's in the greatest shape of their lives. Two, it's the best <laughs> spring training anybody's ever seen. Now, Kevin Gossman said that the attention to detail in this spring wa- was, quote, tenfold more than it yeah. was last year. What was the vibe like down there? And, and what were the... I guess if I asked you for a couple of major takeaways from your time in Dunedin, what would those takeaways be? I mean, I love the fact that you said everybody thought they were in the best shape of their lives, except for me, the sideline reporter. <laughs> I'm still trying. I'm still trying to lose those pounds from the World Series, uh, you know, room service gig that I did back in in October. But I think if there were a couple things that really stood out, um, and I know you're going to have John Schneider on your show in a little bit, but Watching him in particular, guys at that, you know, at the helm of his first uh, camp, um, it was like he was doing this, you know, for years. Mm-hmm. Like this man was like born to manage. You know, I, I watched him go from field to field and checking in on players and watching guys throw. And then, you know, he's very involved in the day to day drills. And what I mean is, you know, from throwing BP to, you know, standing along the base paths and chiming in on drills as they happen. He was always kind of in the thick of things. And when I would ask the PR people, you know, is there any way we can talk to Schneider a little earlier? It's a busy day on the broadcast, blah, 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 blah. They would say, we can't. Like, we can't pull him out because he's just so entrenched and involved in the drills. Um, so to me, it just stood out like this, this man was, was born to manage. He, he, he really was. He, you could see that he has, you know, garnered the respect of everyone there. Uh, guys who've been there, you know, last year, the new guys too. Um, and I guess the other, you know, sort of takeaway, you know, speaking of commanding the room, 
I would have to say watching Matt Chapman um, at spring training and watching him specifically, I remember uh, on field two at the player development complex where, you know, they ran most of their infield and or team drills, you know, watching him be more vocal and be more demonstrative as a leader of this clubhouse. You know, one day the entire team was actually out on field two during, um, I guess I can call it rundown drills. So mm-hmm. the pitchers were on the mound, they threw the third base and they'd have a minor leaguer go from third to home. And after they tagged him out, Chapman walked over, you know, towards the mound, looked over at, at pitching coach Pete Walker and he would, say something, um, you know, whether it be a suggestion on how the pitcher could have executed that play more efficiently, or, you know, or, you know, just tips from his point of view on what happened in that rundown. And you saw Walker kind of nodding in agreement. And then he, and then Walker would turn to the pitchers standing along the first baseline and say, okay, you know, Chappie thought this, da, 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 da. And I didn't see any of that last spring. And, and you guys know it was Chapman's first spring as a Blue Jay. He was more focused on getting to know everyone, finding out where everything was, getting to know the coaches and the support staff, and getting acclimated. But from what I saw this spring, he is as much the face of this ball club and as a leader as, say, Bo and Vladdy. So I guess if, you know, if I had to pick two, I think those two guys really stood out for me. This those spring. are good ones. Yeah, that's interesting insight. And we, look, we know this is a big year for Matt Chapman. No question. Um, he's, oh, yeah. Matt Chapman's going to get paid. Uh, the question is how much and where. He's going to get paid, but a good year means he's going to get paid even more than he might get paid. And uh, there's a lot on the line for him here. Hazel, it's been yeah. great of you to join us. Thanks so much. I know it's the start of a long uh, a long, grueling season, and uh, we look forward. We look forward to it, and and congratulations on the feature. As I've said, seen some snippets of it, heard about it. Uh, again, just to remind people the air dates are going to coordinate with Alec Manoa's starts beginning tomorrow, and all episodes, of course, will be available on Sportsnet.ca and Sportsnet now. Hazel, enjoy Hazel. opening day and safe travels. Hazel, I heard your husband's a really great guy. You should buy him something nice in St. Louis. <laughs> That's what I heard. Listen. A, that's debatable, <laughs> and and Thank B, a B, I am in the state of Missouri, and mm-hmm. as you well know, and as Jeff well knows, is the you know the the home of Chiefs Kingdom, and I am among my people, oh, and I will I be I will be going to said Kansas City Chiefs shop. And I will shop till I drop and I replenish said something nice. my collection. I said something nice. For your husband. I know. No, you can but, wait. Um, yeah. I was going to say, well, then, you know, wait until you go to Colorado. You can get a Russell Wilson jersey for Barker because I'm sure you can probably, I'm sure they're on sale. There'll be a clearance. Lance says, yeah, there'll be a clearance on Russell Wilson jerseys. Hazel, thanks for this. Thanks a lot. You're the best. Bye, guys. Thank you. Hazel May. I don't know how she puts up with you. I really don't. That's a great question. I don't know how she puts up with you. She overachieved. I was going to say, you overclubbed. <laughs> You overclubbed. Uh, did I? Who's pitching for uh, the Cardinals again? Opening day start? Some Greek, well, some Greek guy. Miles, <laughs> Miles Michaelis. There you go. You nailed but, it. But there I mean, you go. Nicholas should be the name. Doesn't that sound? Not, we need, not it. We need somebody Greek to call up. Is, is, is Nicholas? <laughs> not it. I hope he's Greek. Is Nicholas more Greek than Michaelis? Uh, just, just let me know. Just let me know. I can't wait to see that. I, I have seen most of it. it it's how do you, 
did you get a chance it's to see really, it? It's really, really yeah, good. I uh, like I said, I, I've only seen snippets of it, but we, we, we've talked about it. Um, and, you know, I think people know kind of the basis of the Alec Manoa story. Alec talked about his mother going, I sure. mean, I remember that interview, his mother not eating so, you know, her two boys could be fed. Um, I think the relationship between him and his father is the intriguing whole part of this well, six-part thing is how they, you know, you know, I was, as Hazel figure was talking, out that relationship. When Josh Donaldson was here, people will remember that 60 Minutes did a piece on Josh Donaldson when he was here. And Josh Donaldson's father, there was also, there there were, I don't, I'm, I don't know the similarities because I don't know the whole story with, with, with Eric Sr. and Alec Noah, but... You know, Josh, Josh's father and 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 his mother had had a lot of issues. And I remember after sixty minutes did the piece, uh, just walking up to Josh and saying, "You know, man, like Josh had kind of talked about it, but the details are really something." And I just remember him saying, "You know, every interesting story has an has a, has mm-hmm. an even more interesting story sure. behind it." And it was just, yeah, it, this is this is going to be good. Alec Manoa, you know, one thing about Alec Manoa, I'm going to say, because of his background, because of how hard his mother had to work, I was, I had a lot of worries about how Alec Manoa would handle something like arbitration. Would he take it as yeah. an insult? If, and sure. we know that he's re-upped. He's forced the Jays to re-up him twice. Now, he's also got some bonus money as a result of the, the new CBA and the, mm-hmm. Cy Young, mm-hmm. uh, the Cy Young vote. But I love the... Because I looked at Alex and said, if there's a guy who's going to go off, because we think he's an emotional guy, mm-hmm. this is a guy who's going to go off. And if you heard he him talk after sense, it, I think. Exactly. He does, yeah. He has got, mm-hmm. in addition to everything that goes into being Alec Manoa, there is a real sense of groundedness and a real common sense approach to stuff that he does. You can see it the way he warms up. You can see it the the way he he, he he goes about his business. It's, it's going to be a fascinating series again uh, starting uh, tomorrow. Uh, Alec Manoa, obsessed. And uh, we are going to take a break and come back. We will be joined by the vice president and general manager of the St. Louis Cardinals, Michael Gersh. We'll ask him about Miles Michaelis, amongst other things. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590 The Fan 360 and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Reminder that tomorrow is going to be Fan Day. We just declared it Fan Day on our show from 10 to noon Eastern. We'll be soliciting calls. We'll be checking the back leg line, 416-419-3959 to uh, get some of your predictions. I'll throw out the over-under things again. Those are good ones. I spent a lot of time thinking about it. I bet you did. I truly did. Tomorrow's opening day on Sportsnet 590, the fan of Sportsnet, the Blue Jays taking on the St. Louis Cardinals. The Cardinals coming off a 93-win season in which they won their first... uh, National League Central Division title since 2019. Their second division title since 2015, which I found, uh, which I found really odd. Um, a lot of new stuff with the St. Louis Cardinals this year. Uh, they've got a rookie, Jordan Walker, that uh, made the team out of spring training. A lot of folks talking about him. 
And um, I should. There's no Yadier Molina this year. Wilson Contreras uh, will be the catcher. We'll talk to Michael Gersh. He's vice president and general manager of the Cardinals in a few minutes. Take a deep dive into that team. Kevin, I wanted to ask you something about guys who are prospects winning jobs in spring training because you came into spring training and the first time you broke with the majors, it was people knew you were going to be the Brewers first baseman. Yeah. That you have been a high draft mm-hmm. pick. Yeah. I mean, th- that was, I earned it. Yes. I'm, I can say No, that. you did. You I earned, earned it. it. But, I, but I'm saying, but you were, it was, Hey, Kevin Barker, Virginia tech, high draft pick. He's our first baseman from spending time around spring training with different teams. How hard is it still hard, even if somebody's called a prospect, a highly touted prospect, is it still hard for those guys to make teams now? You know, I'm thinking of... I think it would be if you're a 20-year-old, like Jordan Walker is. Yeah. He's 20, right? It's, it's, you have to have a real reason just financially to put him on your team, right? right. There has to, he has to be like a no-brainer. You're not carrying him to be nice. No, but he he's makes their team better. That's why he's on this team, and they're trying to win a championship. So you can tell that they really think he's the better option than other guys. I, I think it's to each his own kind of thing, right? I think it's about the organization. I think it's about the guy mentally. Ricky Tiedemann mm-hmm. sort of comes to mind when it comes to the Blue Jays, right? I think there's some seasoning that needs to be done with him, right? It's it's cold weather. It's pitching out of the stretch. It's something don't work. How do you get through it to give your team a chance to win? Have we ever seen him do that? You'd rather see him do it in the minors than you would see him to try and figure that out at the big league level. So, yeah, to answer your question, it's a hard answer to mm-hmm. answer that. I think that's very organizational. Uh, and I think every organization has – different philosophies on how they want to treat their best guys. Go earn it. Go get a certain amount of at-bats. Go get a certain amount of starts. Have, you know, a certain amount of games in the outfield. Whatever it is that your position is, I think it's very individual. Did you think that because you came out of college as opposed to high school, did that give you a bit of an edge Like over? It's a great question. I mean, I don't know if you've even if you've actually even thought of that, but you went to Virginia Tech. You mm-hmm. had a great college career, mm-hmm. and as I said, fourth round pick, highly third touted. Round. Sorry, third, my bad. Fourth Pardon me. Round. Third round. Okay, I'm sorry, Mister. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry, Mister. Nicholas. I know there is. <laughs> uh, third round pick uh, of of the Brewers. Did have you? How do you think that would? You know, how do you think that would compare? Uh, college guy versus, versus yeah, I a, think I was prepared for guy. the noise when it comes to change. Explain that. I, because. Well, because whenever I showed up, everybody wanted a little piece of Barker. Like everybody wanted to turn Barker into what they wanted to turn him into, whether it's stride separation, whatever that little thing was to take you to the, a different level to be able to say that I was the guy that got Kevin Barker here. Yeah. I think I was a little bit more grown up enough to be able to, Juggle around a little bit between the years on, on what it goes to that, but it's not an easy thing. To, to answer your question, you have to perform because you feel like you have to. Like, you're the guy. Like, Ricky Tiedemann coming into the season's the guy. Mm-hmm. I don't care how they're going to massage his season. He he needs to hit the ground running. Like, he's a, he feels like a big leaguer. You're just going down to figure little things out, and I think that's sort of 
right? You're, you're, where you're rated is a big deal. And I was the number one prospect for the Blue Jays. I was expected to do things. Mm-hmm. Hit the fastball, hit velocity, lay off the breaking ball, don't struggle. If you do, shorten the struggles. There's a lot of pressure that goes into the, all these players. Well, as we mentioned, the St. Louis Cardinals uh, have got uh, a, a, a rookie that it turned a lot of heads, and uh, a lot of people will be. Uh, we'll be focusing on him, Jordan Walker. It's also, it's a different year for the Cardinals. Uh, no Yadier Molina, Wilson Contreras is the man behind the plate. The Cardinals still, in most people's minds, certainly in our minds, are the uh, are the favorites to win the National League Central and we're very pleased to be joined by Michael Gersh. He's vice president and general manager of the Cardinals. Michael, thank you so much for joining Kevin and myself today. We trust that uh, spring training has gone well for you and you're looking forward to the season starting and that's... That, that all is good. Um, we When we've been talking to executives, managers, coaches, players this year during spring training, the first thing we've asked is just try to get a general sense of how that individual or that organization thinks the new rules that have been put in place for this year have gone. And I'm, I'm just wondering from, from a Cardinals point of view, from what you've seen and what you've heard, um, everybody seems to love the pitch clock. Everybody seems to love most of the new rules. Are, are you guys on board with that as well? Yeah, I think so. I think um, <laughs> I was talking to a few of our players the other night, and I think everyone loves the pitch clock, especially when they're not on the mound or in the batter's box. <laughs> That's funny. Because it keeps everything moving along. Right. Uh, when they're the one who's, uh, who's at the mercy of the pitch clock, they don't love it quite as much. But I think in general, everyone understands what we're trying to do and, and prefers it with a, with a better taste. Um, I think the other rules, you know, we're comfortable with everything. I, I don't think there'll be like, I don't think baseball will cease to look like what it's always looked like. I mean, there will be a few more stolen bases. There'll be, you know, a few, a couple fewer pickoff throws uh, to the bases. Um, you know, we'll go back to no shifting. But I, I don't. I think in the grand scheme of things, there'll be small, like incremental things that on a day-to-day basis you don't notice as much as when you get to the you know end of the season and you look up at the stolen base leaderboard and it's somebody with you know 25 more than they've had in the last few years, sort of thing. Michael, Michael, not every team's going to be have issues with a balanced schedule. But if you're a contending team like you guys are, as a front office, have you thought about now I played in the NL Central with the with the Reds. It, it's a it's a different animal, right? It's a it's sort of like the American League East. Not a lot of those teams like each other. That's just the way it is. You know, if one gets away, it gets away. Don't you know, don't dig in kind of thing. Fifty two games is my point is fifty two games in in the NL Central. But have you as a front office thought about could it help or hurt you as a contending team having that balanced schedule? Well, I think, look, I don't think the NL Central, there's, there's no uh, secret that this is not the, uh, the the strongest division in baseball. So I think in some ways it, it presents a challenge for us to, to trade NL Central games for games against other teams. I think from from a like day-to-day standpoint, the biggest thing that we are aware of, and, and I don't think concerned, but we're, we're trying to manage is you just have to advance scout for a lot more teams, right? Like when, when you play the, the Pirates, the Reds, the Brewers, and the Cubs a ton of times, our, our coaching staff gets a little bit of a break because on the third or fourth time you've played them, they, they, they know what's going on. They know everyone's tendencies. You know, the advanced scouting gets a lot quicker when, when you already recognize 22 of the 26 names on the roster. Um, but when we go out and play the AL East and the NL, AL West and the AL Central, you know, we play each one time, and it just adds to the, uh, to the burden for everyone downstairs. So that's something that we've talked about much more than – than, um, you know, particular matchups or anything. There's more the process that, and how that process needs to change this year. 
And we talked a little bit before you came on, but uh, there is no Yadier Molina with the St. Louis Cardinals this year. He has retired. Wilson Contreras, uh, the free agent catcher, is the guy behind the plate. It's going to seem odd watching the opener tomorrow and, and not seeing Yadier out there. Uh, I mean, God, he, he and Adam Wainwright are kind of like the furniture. Even if you don't follow the Cardinals closely, you know the names and you, you sort of expect them to be there. Um, how has Wilson fit in to things with St. Louis? And, and what are your expectations from him, uh, Mike, in terms of replacing what Yadier brought? So uh, Wilson's fitting great. I think one of the things is, that's been really exciting is how well he is he has fit in, how hard he's working, how much he wants to sort of take the, the torch from, from Yanni and, and keep running with it. So um, just like a small example, you know, Wilson obviously one of the one of the you know, all star caliber players, certainly could have played the WBC, was invited to play the WBC and, and chose not to mostly because he knew he had a lot of work to do to learn all of our pitchers. Now a few of our pitchers were in the WBC, so he didn't learn everybody, but um, but it's definitely going to be a change. I think, you know, I, my first year with the Cardinals was 2006. And in 2006, Yanni and Wayno were both here. And, hmm. and in 2023, uh, this is the first time one of the two of them is not here. So um, it's, it's been an incredible run with those guys. And uh, it'll be different without Yanni. But uh, I think we're in a, in a good position. You know, we're sort of transitioning from the, the yadi Wayno era here that we hope is led by Goldschmidt, Arenado, and a bunch of our younger players as they sort of grow into the leadership roles, and, and Contreras will certainly be part of that. Why did Tyler O'Neill win the center field job? Well, you know, the way Ali, our manager, manages, it, I'm not sure there is a center field job, per se. I think, I think Tyler will be our primary center fielder, but on a game-to-game basis, depending on who we're playing against, um, and what the matchups look like, I think you'll see uh, Tyler, Dylan Carlson, Lars Newbar all get time in center field, depending on, on how things match up. But, you know, Tyler's sort of a freakishly athletic, mm-hmm. fast, strong, uh, physical specimen that, you know, we feel like when, we, when he gets in center field, his speed will allow him – I mean, he's still pretty new to it. He's played it on and off throughout the minors and played a little bit for us the last couple of years, but – he just has an element of speed that none of our other outfielders have, and we think that um, we got an opportunity to to display that in center field. You know, Kevin and I had a had a chat before he came on. Kevin was a highly touted prospect with the Brewers, and we talked about how cool it is to see a guy who's a prospect come in and win a job the way Jordan Walker's won a job. Now, if I, I this is I'm. I'm reaching back here to my brain, but if I'm not mistaken, didn't Albert Pujols, and I'm not comparing Walker to Pujols, but didn't he kind of do the same thing as well? Didn't he kind of come into camp and take a job? And I'm just wondering, from your point of view as a baseball executive, what the pluses and minuses are of taking a young guy on on a team that's expected to be a contender. So, yeah, we're... we're, The... the, uh... Albert Pujols, uh, Jordan Walker comparisons are, are, are a little dicey, but it, it is the string training route for Albert was not dissimilar. I think he, I was not here. It was before my time. Right. He came into camp not as a favorite to break the break with the team, and he hit his way into the opening day lineup and then hit his way, I think, directly to the All-Star game. And mm-hmm. the Eagles had never stopped hitting for, for the rest of his time with the Cardinals. So um, it's, it is 
there's very few things more satisfying than organization than seeing someone you drafted move through the system. You know, all of our scouts were invested in, in, in Jordan. Um, all of our player development as he moved through the system got a chance to touch and be part of, of his process and help him get better. And watching him just not slow down at any point all the way to, to the opening day rosters and really is exciting and fun for everybody. Um, there's always risks with anybody you bring up to the big leagues that, that whether they're ready, how they're going to transition, how they're going to deal with being advanced scouted at a level that you just don't get it, you don't get scouted when you're in the, when you're in double A. Um, but Jordan is not just a physically talented person. He's a, he's incredibly mentally strong. He is mature way beyond a, 20, a normal 20 year old, and uh, and we're comfortable with him being able to fit in it. And the nice thing is here. He's going to come in and he's going to bat in seventh or eighth, and he's going to be, you know, sort of a down line. He's not going to be the the, the face of the franchise. He's mm-hmm. going to come in and, and step into a role surrounded by two guys who got to, you know, finished top three MVP last year and a bunch of other guys who've been around a long time. And hopefully that helps him uh, with the transition. Other than health and pitching, obviously that's with every club who's trying to contend. Is there one thing for you as a front office that you say when people ask? Is there one thing that will take you to a whole different level that maybe some people aren't talking about? Well, I mean, I think health and pitching are, you, you took the two obvious answers. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, I, in, in some ways, the question for us, I think guys like Goldschmidt, Arenado, and Contreras are established, well-known, all-star caliber players. And the question for us is more whether guys like Newbar, Donovan, Walker, O'Neal, Carlson, you know, whether that group, if we have a couple guys from that group, one, two, three guys really step up and become like all-star caliber players, I think it takes our lineup from a very good deep lineup to a scary lineup. And, and, and that's something that, you know, again, pitching is number one, health number two, but, but having, having one or two guys establish themselves as all-star level, you know, position players would really, would really change the look of our, of our table. Mike, really good of you to take time out to talk to us today. Thanks so much. Uh, Have a great season. Travel safely and uh, be well. Good luck. I I appreciate it, guys. Good luck this year. Thank Thank you. you. That's Mike Gersh, Michael Gersh. He's vice president and general manager of the St. Louis Cardinals. The interesting point he made, because as he was talking, I was scribbling down. I was scribbling their their lineup. Jordan Walker's going to hit seventh or eighth. Further to our discussion about a young guy coming in and starting opening day, how important is it for him that he's got Paul Goldschmidt, that he's got Nolan Arenado, two guys who are MVP caliber, two guys who are superstars. Like yeah. Nolan, I, Nolan Arenado is a really good player. Nolan Arenado is a superstar. He's one of the, to me, he's one of the, the three best players in baseball, flat out, period. I think Nolan Arenado is one of the three, maybe, maybe one of the five, That's best, strong. five best players in mm-hmm. baseball. Top 10. But he's got a lot of support here with this organization. He does not. He may be the top prospect, but he's not necessarily the face of the franchise. See, right? I think that's overrated. I, I, I really do. I, I think a lot of this stuff, Jeff, is very individual. Like it is, it's like Nathan Lucas. And I said the first thing out of my mouth was, okay, sort of that allure of I've made it. And now the reality is I got to show everybody that I'm a big leaker. Mm. This dude ain't no different. And it's not like I can walk up to one of those guys you mentioned to help me go to the plate. Now, he may help me, give me a little insight on how to get out of an 0 for 15. But remember, and listen to Michael talk there, is how long is the 
leash with him? That's the question. They are contending. Will they allow him to go 0 for 15, 0 for 18, 0 for 20 with 10 or 12 punch outs? He's going to go through it. When you were with the Brewers, where, no. did you, no, where did you hit? Where did you hit in the lineup your first year? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, I think I would hit fifth, sixth, or seventh so somewhere okay. in there. Yeah, and then so you I were not seventh or eighth. Before I you got were not seventh down. or eighth. You were you like know, Davey Lopes was. Yeah, never. Yeah, move on. Sorry, I shouldn't. But my point was that you had a little less protection than this guy has. Yeah, again, I, I, I think people, I think people got to be careful about that protection thing. And he's twenty. Yeah, <laughs> that 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 is that is the thing, right? It's it's like everything there is bigger, it's magnified. Now maybe not in St. Louis, like St. Louis is a lunch pill kind of, and they're a, gonna back their players, oh, and the fans yeah. are showing up. You could go over twenty with fifteen punch outs, yeah. and they're gonna cheer for you till they can't cheer anymore, which is cool. But the reality is, you're over for twenty with fifteen punch outs, and I, I just think when you know front offices, Michael and and all these guys, the will, can you do both? Do they have? Can you let him struggle and contend? I mean, the Brewers are good. The, do they have the, the, the Cubbies are going to be better. Like, there's some teams there that you're going to have to win some games, right? Do you think St. Louis? St. Louis has the pitching to win the Central. I mean, Healthy wise, they do. Yeah. Do you think they've got the type of pitching that can take them over the top, win a series, win a couple of series, maybe I don't know, maybe go to the World Series? Because when I look at that team, there there is. You know, Miles Michaelis is going to start. We know right. Adam Adam Wainwright is 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 injured is hurt right, right now. now is yeah. injured. But I old. look at that team. I look at those young outfielders, and I think to myself, if you're the Cardinals and you get to the trade deadline, and you're in first place, comfortably, Here. but you. Do you look at maybe moving a guy like O'Neill or a guy like Newtbar? I mean, I mean you, you people, you, the baseball world's in love with Lars Newtbar. You do what you will. And by the way, I mean, the Jay, we know that there was some talk of the Jays and the Cardinals in the offseason about a deal. We know that his name came up. Uh, he's going to hit eighth or ninth for them. Where's he hitting with the Blue Jays? Eighth or ninth? Eighth or ninth. Hey, let's not get crazy about Newtbar. Uh, Great name, though. I, it's a tremendous baseball name. I, I just I, That's why I wanted to ask him about the balanced schedule. I think if you have any teams, it's that team, right? Mm-hmm. He mentioned the Central's not real good. Like, you got some teams in there. I'm getting them 76 times, and now I'm getting them 52 yeah. times. And now I've got to run out and play these teams that are 500 that are going to attack my weaknesses. And he mentioned the lineup. The lineup's really good, and it's probably a top-10 lineup. And they got a top seven or eight bullpen if it's healthy. But then there's a rotation. You know, sometimes we saw the last couple of years the defensive woes, like catching the routine ball. Like, there's they got some things running bases. That's going to be a little better with the bigger bases. I just that's for me is intriguing. That's why I asked the question, and he he's obviously been thinking about it. Like they're th- that might push them to make a move sooner. Is my point I'm trying to make is the balanced schedule. Uh oh, I don't get, have this to lean on to where I'm I'm beating up on the Cubbies or the Reds. That's a good point. Or the you Pittsburgh get, Pirates. Now I'm only getting them 13 times instead of 19 times. That's the point. Is so you get it. You know that that's a great point. You yeah. get you get a read maybe earlier. Quick about where your team stands compared to the teams you will probably have to meet or may have to meet in the postseason if you're going to have success. So in other words, you've got more games against a team like Atlanta than you have against a team like uh, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. 
So well, I mean, you're still getting them 13 times a piece, but that's not a fascinating 19 point. times. See, I Say think I we, we haven't talked, and I'm going to ask 15 the, and four against the Pirates. We'll ask Schneider that's this. Good. We'll ask Schneider this when he comes on after the break, because I, I wonder. We haven't talked about the balanced schedule, and, and I think look, it's a there's big been deal. a lot. There's been a lot going on, and I and I I guess until you find out how good each team is, you know, talking about the balanced schedule is kind of. But I wonder if you're the Jays, if you've if you've kind of taken a deeper dive into the schedule. And the other thing Michael said that was interesting, and this I hadn't even thought of this, you are going to have to rely on your advanced scouts more now than you ever have. Let, let me ask you a question. How, how many times have you seen the Blue Jays who, who don't really know a guy on the mound who look like they're at bats, they're guessing? You this guys always my, say that. This, I is don't, my, I don't, this is my point. It's not see ball, hit ball anymore like when I played. It's not look for a fastball until you in a fastball count until you get to two strikes. It's not that way anymore. He throws a slider in this kind of count. You got this kind of bat path. He's probably going to throw you here. How the at bats look? And it gets back to that advanced scouting. Will you overthink it yeah, instead of just simplifying it? It just seems That's to me. That's the thing, right? And whenever I was listening to Michael talk about that, the first thing I thought of is, well, or these teams overthink it. You know, we are my talents better. Better than your talent. I'm going to go out there and show you that that's the case. Sometimes I'm not sure it's going to be that way all the time. Sometimes we throw stuff out there. I I don't know, Kevin. Uh, I you know yeah. I've seen the Jays look bad against mediocre pitching. Pitching. Well, this or, show, or let me rephrase. I've seen them. I've seen them look bad against pitching that they haven't seen before. I've seen them do well against. I don't know. I think it's. I think it depends on how you're going. If you're in a role, I don't think it matters to Bo Bichette who he's facing. I think if you're uh, scuffling, Bo, Bo a bad example. no, no, but I, think, but I think if you're scuffling and you're just kind of in the middle of a so-so year, yeah, then it looks bad. But I'd be lying if I said that. Oh my God! Every time I, the Jays face somebody they don't know, they struggle. No, nobody I, nobody I, I said every know. time. I said veteran that, hitters that, now. That will be this wow, a veteran, are they? No. Well, this is a veteran they're, team. They're, they're, well, come on. There's yeah. expectations. No, Springer's been around. Var, Var, Varsha's trying to uh, to show that he belongs on a contending team we have no idea how that's going to look uh the third baseman in chapman's trying to get paid he's going to look but different you see some urgency Kevin. with the toe tap like i'm not saying these things no, aren't going to work he, out and he's going to hit some homers all i'm saying but is I'm this saying, this is an experienced team danny jansen's experience vladdy's not a kid anymore second baseman if it's with Mer- merrifield ton, like ton, ton of experience chapman ton of experience if a team like the st louis cardinals is thinking about it and that's the first thing out of michael's mouth was our scouting advanced scouting better be really good hmm. i you don't think the jays with all their khakis are thinking the same thing that's i'm just saying i'm not saying it's going to be a, th- a thing but it might be something to pay attention to John Schneider is manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. He's going to join us weekly throughout the season, which is going to be fun. And we're going to talk to John in a few minutes, so we'll ask him. We'll ask him those questions. Get a comparison between how the St. Louis Cardinals are approaching this and how the Blue Jays are approaching it. And the real question I want to know from John, the real answer I want to know from John Schneider is, when he went to bed last night in St. Louis, what keeps him up at night about this team? What causes him to lose sleep? What causes him to have a deep, deep sleep? We'll find out. You like the tension. John Schneider joins us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Sportsnet 360 and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
gear thing. Opening day is tomorrow. Do you like the fact that... I just looked at my phone. Oh, okay. What's wrong with you? Do you like the fact that uh, the Jays are opening on the road the first two weeks on the road uh, while I, the Rogers Center gets I think if you're wanting up. to act like one of the best teams in baseball, where does it matter where you start? Yeah, but do you buy the whole, you know, like uh, guys talk about, well, it's good to start in the road because there's lots of bonding, et cetera, Here's what et cetera. I think. Here's what. <laughs> bonding. Well, you know, team baseball building. Baseball doesn't work that way. It's 162 games. You're going to bond with like one or two people. All right. It's it's about how good, if my pitching's better than yours, I got a pretty good chance of beating you. It doesn't matter where it's at home. There you the go, Jeff. There you go. Uh, it'll be Miles Michaelis on the mound for the Cardinals. That's three in a row. I got yeah, it right. Yeah. Of course, Alec Manoa taking the hill for the uh, for the Blue Jays. Don't forget, uh, Friday's an off day. Saturday, the, the uh, season resumes. Kevin Gossman on the mound for the Blue Jays. The off day is baked in a lot of times uh, in case of freezing uh, cold. In, in case That's of why. weather. Uh, but we do know this. The Jays are in St. Louis. And uh, John Schneider, the manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, is in St. Louis. And he joins us on Blair and Barker. Mr. Schneider, thank you so much for joining us. Congratulations on getting out of spring training. Um, best shape of your life, John. Best shape of your life, I've heard. <laughs> That's right. That's I've heard right. it. Best shape of my life. Everybody's in the best shape of their life. Hey, um what when when you look at this team and there's a lot we want to talk to you about in a general sense but yeah. but right now on the i guess the eve of the opener or almost the eve of the opener what keeps you up at night about the jays and what gives you comfort when you go to bed and you're thinking okay i got this um great question and thanks for having me on guys i think what i mean I think me and probably every other manager or staff member, you kind of get um, a little obsessive with just making sure you're putting guys in the right spot. I think, or let me start with what, what I'm good with. I mean, players on the field. We have, a, we have a phenomenal team. We have a, you know, a very deep team, a great defensive team, a, a great base running team, and a great offensive team, and our pitching is in good shape. So I think what keeps me up at night is just making sure that we're deploying them properly, we're positioned properly. Um, so kind of just checking all those boxes, um, trying to drill down as far as we can to make sure we're not missing, hey, we're going to pitch this guy here in certain situations. We need, we need to make sure that we're here. Um, so those types of things, and then just you know really trying to have a good grasp on what the Cardinals are trying to do and how we're going to, how we're going to try to stop it, how we're going to get guys in, in the right spots to have success. Uh, opening day starter, tough decision, easy one. Tough. You know, I think, you know, for one, we have a good staff and, um, you know, you want to try to combine, you know, last year and this year, and you can't ignore what Kevin Dawson is doing with the baseball this spring. So it was tough. It was kind of a one, a one B type scenario. We had some internal discussions about, you know, personality traits, um, and how you handle moments, how guys have handled them in the past. And, what they've done in between now and then, um, actually what their stuff is doing, um, and then kind of how that how it would line us up for the first three weeks um, based on opponent, too. So it was tough. It could have it went either way, but I'm um, really happy that Alec gets a chance tomorrow and uh, with Kev right behind him. 20, 26 guy, Nathan Lucas. Uh, what, why is he the choice that makes it easy for you? I'm, I'm assuming this is late, late in the game kind of thing, right? You pinch hit for a lefty. Right, he's on the bench. He can come in and play all three positions. But what, why, what is the one thing that John Snyder likes most about Nathan Lucas? Game awareness and being in the right spot at the right time. Yeah. You know, we, me, me personally, has, I've been saying attention to detail, 
little things. I've been saying it for six straight weeks every single day. Um, and this cat checks all those boxes. It's knowing signs. It's being a good base runner. It is understanding game situation, when to be aggressive, when not to be. The ability to play all three um, outfield spots, obviously, um, was attractive. And just the quality of the at-bat. You know, he's not up there just on a whim. He's got a plan every time he goes up there. Um, so I think it was kind of that that combination. But the game awareness, I mean, he's he's got a pretty good pretty good heartbeat about him in, in a lot of different situations. John, I'm wondering with the new rules in play, uh, pitch clock, you know, the lack of shifts or, or the restrictions and shifts, all of those things, in some ways, did it make it easier for you to stress attention to detail because guys already are getting used to, to, to new stuff? Like, this is, a, this is a good camp. This is a camp to pay attention to stuff, right? Because there's different stuff going on. Did that make it easier in some yeah, ways? A little bit, but even more so than that, you do have to be very attentive to, especially the clock and how you're getting on and off the field and where your stuff is in the dugout. You got, I mean, you got to be on top of every little thing. I think even before the rules was just kind of looking at the personnel and knowing that, you know, assuming that that would be taken care of, the attentiveness, the preparation, the accountability, I think with the personnel, it's kind of, you know, easy to just assume that. So then messaging that and making that important, I think, was the next step in, in um, everyone kind of hearing it, you know. So it's it was kind of, I do believe that's what, what's just going to take us to the next level. Um, and it's just, you know, it's easy when you have the guys that are just right there buying in with you, you know. So that part of it was the initial goal. And then as the games kind of unfolded with the rules and the shift and the everything, it was, all right, hey, you guys got to lock it in. And, you know, if it sparks the conversation – um, great, and um, that's kind of how it rolled out in camp. I, do you guys have an idea yet about how the the shift restriction is, is is going to play out? I guess what I mean by that is I don't know. I mean, I know guys shift in spring training a lot, guys shift in the minors and everything, but it's not the same as, right, it's not the same as shifting in the, I don't know, or not shifting or defensive positioning in the fifth inning of a game at Yankee Stadium in the middle of July or anything like that. Have you kind of in, in the back of your mind got an idea of what this is going to look like and is if, if it's going to make a major impact, for example, in a guy like Bo Bichette. Yeah. I mean, teams, you know, I think rarely shifted him last year, but I think what you're going to see is I meant defensively. Know, I'm sorry. I meant defensively with Bo. Oh, defensively. Oh, gotcha. Oh yeah. I mean, we've talked about it at length and I think that it's, you know, it sounds funny. I think it may help us. Okay. Um, you know, I can I can think of times where last year it was it seemed like a lot of guys standing in a in a very specific area, whether it was infield or outfield. Um, and this kind of allows our guys to be athletes. You know, you have Matt Chapman, arguably one of the best third basemen in the game, um, covering more ground. The biggest difference is, you know, they're going to have to play. <laughs> the depth is, you know, the depth is going to be a little bit different, right? So you can't be on the grass. There's going to be more hits up the middle. I think that's going to kind of come back into play. So contact is going to be at a premium. Um, range is going to be at a premium. And that's the kind of stuff I think about where, hey, we got to make sure we're giving ourselves the best chance to get to that ball up the middle, get to that ball in the hole. So I think with the guys that we have, um, it's, going to be, it's going to be good for us because of their athleticism, speed, range. Um, and then when you talk about the outfield, I think it's going to be, you know, that, that kind of doesn't change, but, it kind of rubs off a little bit. I mean, with the guys that we have out there, they're covering a ton of ground too. So we just have to be a little bit deliberate and a little bit more um, careful with, you know, where we're actually 
starting those guys based on who we have now, too. Okay, you got three guys playing second base or that can play second base. Challenges for you getting these guys playing time? Yeah, I mean, I got to be disciplined to what I think is right and what we think collectively is right, that, you know, the right spots for these dudes to go in and do well. So it, it's weird, not weird, it's nice to have depth at the major league level. I don't think sure. we've had that in quite a while. So um, you're talking about three really good players between, you know, Biz, Espy, and Witt um, that all offer kind of different things, right? So there's going to be times where, you know, it may be, hey, this dude gets two hits and he's not starting the next day. You know, and I think early, you know, you got to stay disciplined to it to try to let all of those characteristics of each player come out. You know, sometimes, Kev, you know how it is. Someone mm-hmm. takes the bull by the horns and they're playing every sure. day by May, you know. So, but you got to give everyone the runway to try to, you know, have their skill set come out. So, yeah, it's tough. Conversations with these guys have been great throughout camp, you know, both in the beginning of it, middle of it, and at the end of it. Um, and the singular focus is on winning, right? So it's, I always say I'm not going to have perfect attendance. Someone's always going to be mad at me for not playing. Um, but I, I, I like that. I respect that because if they're content with it, then, you know, you question their competitiveness. So it's going to be it's going to be tough, but it's a good problem to have, man, because it's three really good players. I, I, I called this. Now, we're going to bounce back and forth just a little bit. I want to go back to the rotation and talking about the pitch clock. I did call this guy needy. Jeff threw things at me and said that I'm too mean to pitchers, and, and you know, they're they're figuring it out on the fly and all these kind of things. But Chris Bassett. By the way, Pete Walker congratulated ab- me. Ab- absolutely. absolutely. Well, yeah, Pete <laughs> usually does that. But have you been around Chris Bassett? Now, I know the, the pitch clock and the pushing the button and him pushing the button, and he's came out and said, I got eight pitches. I got, I got to get a lot on the same page, and we got to do this thing in a hurry. Uh, Snipes, have you been around him long enough to know now that when you see him on the mound, you just know he's in the flow? Have you, have you been around him long enough, or is it still taking time to see that from you? No, we've seen it enough, and it was funny. I think it was his last outing, his last couple innings of his last outing, where he finally got into a rhythm of, you know, the, the transmitter's new for everyone. And yeah. I think guys are still kind of working their way through that. Um, he finally got into a rhythm his last couple of innings to where he's getting the pitch and then he's getting on the rubber as opposed to trying to do them both at the same time. Now, now that he does throw a lot of pitches, and I think where we've landed through camp is, you know, it was a lot of it was us learning him and how he likes to pitch, how he likes to attack hitters. And I think we're kind of hitting the point between, like, you know, his thoughts and his ideas of how his stuff works, um, along with kind of like, you know, a game plan that Pete is diving into or that we're articulating to him to where, all right, let's make sure we're on the same page here and maybe cut down a couple of those options each time. So, you know, spring training, you know, kind of battling through that a little bit and, and letting him kind of tell us what he liked and then us observing and saying, hey, have you thought about this? Okay, it makes it a little bit easier. So it was a lot of stuff between here's my thoughts, here who I am as, here, here's who I am as a pitcher, and then kind of combining that with our game plan or Pete's game plan and then getting the rhythm of the actual pushing of the button. So it, it did take a while, but he's in a good spot to where when you see him on Sunday, it's just going to be how am I going to execute? How am I going to compete? I'm not worried about shaking, shaking, and which button I'm pushing. John, I'm sure like, smarter fans will understand that spring training stats are only, only worth so much. But having said that, I bet if you put 10 of them in this room right now and ask them who they're more concerned with, you say Kikuchi or Jose Barrios after what they saw from Kikuchi this year, probably eight of them would say Barrios. Now, I'm not asking you to pick between the two, but I'm, I'm, I am asking you, can you, can you uh, calm the fears of Blue Jays fans and 
Kevin Barker in, in particular when it comes to Jose Barrios, but calm the fears right of Blue the Jays fans about, about Kikuchi and Barrios. Calm down, Bart. Calm down, Kev. It's spring training. It's spring training. Um, yeah, I mean, Jose, okay, first of all, look at his track record, right? There's a reason why we invested and, and trusted him the way we did. He has been an unbelievable pitcher for his entire career. Last year, very, very much of an outlier season. What he did in the offseason, he, he's down in Tampa. He's at the complex. He kind of revamped a little bit um, his game plan, specifically with his fastball. So that was the main focus. We know he has the breaking ball. We know he has the changeup. I think those pitches may have, especially the breaking ball, kind of taken a backseat in spring training because he was working specifically on extension side command to right-handed hitters, you know, hitting that backdoor sinker to those guys and then playing his breaking ball off of that and then understanding when to kind of take shots inside, you know? So I can see where people go, Oh, wow, this, this didn't play out the way you wanted it to. But what we were focused on was not only executing your fastball, but then understanding when to take shots probably in a different part of the zone with it. And then executing a breaking ball or a changeup. So that was his main focus. When he came out of games, it wasn't, Hey, what was the, how many hits were given up or how many runs were scored. He's at the point in his career where he could have had a, a 98 ERA and we wouldn't have cared. You know, it was, where's that heater going? What are you doing after that? And I do think some of the execution with the breaking ball probably wasn't his best because his mind may have been elsewhere. Now, that being said, you get into a game situation, that's out the window. It is strictly game plan, execution, competing. But his outings here were very, very deliberate with, this is what I'm trying to do each day. And he definitely nailed that. Well, well done. Okay, I, I think the big, the big, uh, I don't want to say it's elephant in the room, but the, the question with the lineup is four through nine. One through three, I think you've sort of taken care of. You told everybody, you know, I want a routine. I don't want guys walking in and having to look at the lineup card and, and see where they're they're hitting. But I got to ask, is, are we going to see some run with four through nine, right? The Bell, the Kirk, the Farsh, the Varsho, the Chapman, whoever's playing second base in Kiermaier. Do you want to see some run? No matter if it's a lefty or righty. I know some of them lefties, you want to see if they can let it travel and hit it the other way. Are we going to see some run? Or are you going to play with it a little bit? Um, the actual lineup itself, kind of those spots. And who sure, goes where. sure. One, one, two, and three, we sort of know. Four through nine is that, can you mix and match? Are you going to see a different cleanup hitter one day? Or are you going to let it play out, say, 10, 12 games in a row? Uh, probably a little bit of both, you know. And it could even start with, like, you know, what we've kind of told these guys is, yeah, there's going to – guys love consistency. We get that, you know. And there's going to be consistency probably within, like, a pocket of, of two, three, four – four, five, six, or five, six, seven, they're going to know where, where they kind of fit. That being said, I think with the personnel and the, you know, the, the balanced out lineup with the lefties and righties, we're, I'm not going to just do something just to say, hey, this looks good on paper and we have right, left, right, left. You know, there's, there's definitely a lot that goes into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there'll, there'll be some, you know, some fluidity to probably four through seven. Um, not all the time, but based on who their bullpen, you know, has available, based on the type of starter we're going to see. Um, that may fluctuate a little bit. You know, who's playing that night? If it's, you know, Barsh is out and KK's in or vice versa, you know, you could play with it a little bit. If um, you got a left ear, you, you can play with it a little bit. So it's, it's going to be a little bit fluid, but I think we have a really good grasp as to where we want to start. Um, and it's a, uh, again, it's a, good, it's a good puzzle to solve every night because you have – 
different skill sets coming in in every spot there. And, um, you know, you, it's, it's, you could basically look at it like, hey, we're trying to get to the starter. What's that starter length? You know, what can we think that starter length is going to be for the opposing team? Um, and kind of base it off that. Uh, what are their leverage arms like in the bullpen? Who do we need to kind of protect a little bit to keep some good matchups in play? Um, but at the same time, these are really good hitters, so you don't want to mess with them too much. John, if, there's a glaring, if there's a glaring um, matchup or a glaring thing that we think we can take advantage of, mm. yeah, we may move a guy around or two. Yep. John, just one one more question for you before we let you run. When when teams talk about balanced lineups, a lot of the time, you know, we talk about lefty, righty, switch hitting, whatever. But one of the things the Atlanta Braves showed a couple of years ago in the World Series is you can also put together a lineup where the balance involves guys who handle certain pitches in certain areas, right? So you want to have guys who can handle you don't want a whole bunch of guys who are the same, basically. Is your lineup in addition to left and righty like Great question. You know, do you have are, are you are you better balanced in terms of handling the breaking ball this year, handling the fastball this year, handling the inside pitch this year? Do, do we know that yet? Yeah, great question. I agree. Um, yeah, I think we had that last year to a certain extent okay. with the predominantly right-handed hitters that we had, and then I think adding you know Belt, KK, Barsh, you know, you throw Biz in there. Look, you know, the five lefties that they all do they all do specific things, you know, that we haven't had. So um, trying to just put them in the right spot, whether I always go to like, you know, you have on base, you have contact and you have damage. So you kind of try to put those guys in the right spots, you know, from, for what they offer, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, having guys that get on base in front of the guys that, you know, are going to do damage or getting guys on base, you know, before the contact guys. Um, with no shifting, it could be putting guys that have a lot of you know high contact rate, you know, with the odds of a hit being a little bit more followed up by the guys who do damage. So, um, and all of them, you know, some of them cover the high heater better. Some of them are, are kind of geared more towards sinker ballers. So there's a lot that goes into how we're di- you know how we're kind of deploying them. Um, but it is it is a much more balanced lineup to where you know it's not going to be the same game plan for everyone where. You can't just go, okay, here's the string of righties. Here's how I'm attacking them. Here's my right-handed leverage bullpen arm coming in against this stretch, and it's going to be one, two, three. Um, it's, it's a lot more tough to navigate with what we got right now. John, listen, we really appreciate your time today. Uh, enjoy your last, I was going to say your last off day of the season, sure. but it's, it's, it's really not an off day. Uh, enjoy, your, enjoy your first opening day as awesome. Major League Manager. Oh, it's right? great. Enjoy it. Yeah. Take a chance to look okay. around. Your family gonna family's gonna be there, I hope. Uh, they're gonna try to get up to Toronto for the home opener. Okay. We, uh, we we made the mistake of, of uh, buying a new house right now. Oh. So my wife's got that going for us. There you go. So nice. Congratulations. Hopefully they're, in, hopefully they're up in Toronto. Thanks. Yeah. Hopefully they're up in Toronto for uh, the home opener, which should be awesome. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll be able to spend plenty of time with them. But I'm I'm thrilled for this team. Thrilled for tomorrow. You know, me personally, I'll, I'll take five seconds to take it in and, and get going, but it's uh, it's going to be an exciting year. Awesome. There you go. Be well. Thanks, John. Good luck, buddy. Go, go get, get him. him. Thanks, guys. Talk, take care. Talk soon. John Schneider, manager of the Toronto well, Blue Jays. That's got to be pretty cool for him. Think oh, about no question. That's, that's cool for anybody that's on that 26-man roster. That, that is the – I got to be honest with you. Other than my first homer in the big leagues, that's got to be the coolest thing I've ever done. Walking out there, just learning how to breathe – 
I had silly. Now you, they even but say, you were you were in the starting lineup. Silly, so did silly, you run uh, out? Did uh, you run out from the dugout and do the whole thing, or did they bring you all out on the line uh, along the line and introduce you? No, no, I think I was on the road, so they brought us all out at the yeah. same time, and then they just announced us because everybody wanted to boo us and all that. You know how it is. But it's just the fact that I was standing on the line and I was part of that. And I mean, him being the manager, he's he's this is what he sort of been wanting to do for a very long time and for him to have the opportunity to do. I don't know who wouldn't like to hear him break down the lineup, yeah. but that is elite stuff, what goes into that and how they're going to mix and match and, you know, the elevated fastball and the sinker. But it's cool stuff. How you're going to attack. Do you want to get after the starter? Do you want to get after the pin? I mean, that's yeah. that's, that's I, uh, cool stuff. Now, I'm going to be thinking a little bit about John Schneider tomorrow because one of my favorite one of my favorite images of last year, that great shot of Adley Rutschman making his major league debut where he comes out from behind the plate, takes mm-hmm. his mask off and just kind of looks around, says hi to the umpire. Looks around, does the mm-hmm. whole thing and gets down. I would have never said I, I hope John Schneider, I hope he, uh, oh, he may have gotten ejected if he said hi to the umpire. I hope John <laughs> Schneider uh, gets a chance tomorrow to kind of sure look around will. and he's say, a, man, oh, man. It's very a, intelligent. A whole hell of a lot of bus rides went into that very, it's hard a to lot get of there. Bus rides. It's even harder to stay. That's what I said, Nathan Lucas. It's sort. Of, I went through these kind of things, and now it's sort of it's going to wear off to where reality sets in, yeah. and now you got to figure out how to get the foot down and catch all the baseballs. But this part of it, to, tomorrow when your name is called, it's probably the coolest thing you ever do. Two things. What would you say to Nathan Lucas, and what would you say to Otto Lopez, who was sent down? Because you've been in both well, situations. Otto Lopez, so- I'd say hang with him. I mean, I, I think the Otto Lopez is more of – they have a lot of options. I mm-hmm. mean, they got three second basements. I think that sort of eliminated him. I know your point. I was, I was yep. sort of saying that Otto Lopez was sort of the guy. Nathan Lucas, for me, the outfielders that they have, what the outfielder health means to that team. Some days off early in the season when it's cold, teams you're playing, you know, you want, might want to mix in a guy that can give some dudes days off that matter. What would, what would I say with him? I would say, Nathan Lucas, be yourself. You know, it's okay to, to, you know, have the lights be a little too bright for you. It's okay for that. But when time comes and they put you in the game late in the game, catch the ball. Like, that's over now. Mm-hmm. You're on a championship winning team. He brought you north because he thought you were one of the best 26A I love this, guys. I love this phrase, ga- game awareness. Yeah. That, that John that's why used I asked when him that because I knew about, he'd have a great answer. About Nathan Lucas because that does get to that whole – and I, that's not a criticism of, of, of Vinny Capra or Otto Lopez, who are also in the equation, but that gets to that whole attention to detail it is. thing. And we did see in spring training, like, for a 26 guy, it was almost like the Jays said to Lucas, play yourself out of this position. And because he got, he got, he played a crap Yeah, time. I think, I think it was more, we sort of know who you are. Because it carried Don't them all year last year. Don't try too hard. Right. They carried them all last let's year. Let's be honest, there was competition. Let's not lie about it. Good. That's uh, great stuff. I mean, that's 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 a little potpourri well, for what's going to go well, on well, to start the season. And and if you see mixing and matching going on in the lineup, now you know why. You're yeah. a fan of the Jays. We'll think of uh, guys like Nathan Lucas and John Schneider tomorrow when they're out there in the field. Jordan Walker uh, as well. From San- that's got to be something, man. For, for a kid like it's one thing to be standing in Rochester with nobody cares and it's freezing cold and you're trying not to freeze to death, then standing in St. Louis yep. when the lights are everything's warmer in the big leagues, Jeff. Yeah, everything's warmer, better, food's better, everything's better. No question. Um, first pitch tomorrow. The 2023 season begins. Of course, you catch all the games on Sportsnet 590, the fan Sportsnet, Sportsnet Now, the app. 
Mr. Barker and myself, a reminder, will be on from 10 to noon Eastern uh, on Sportsnet 590, the fan Sportsnet 360. The show is available on podcast. If you're listening via podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. One more sleep and it gets real. Uh, it's about time. Enough of this talking about you, Seika Kochi and Jose Barrios. Let's see it. I, see it. I like, want to see it. I'm glad John John took up for Jose Barrios. Uh, no, he's, he's supposed to say that. Let's, let's put your money where your mouth right. is. That's it for us today. Jen, Mark, Lance, thank you as always for uh, getting us on the air, keeping us on the air. Mr. Barker, it's been a treat. We'll do it again tomorrow.